I did think it was kind of funny how like surprised Anurag that like me, you, and Jesse kept like, knowing, knowing all the things. The things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like even the one we didn't answer. It was just that we were all playing it safe. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I knew the answer. I just didn't want to say anything. Yeah. <laughs> being being shocked that we knew catch as the flavor text for that 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 was lava axe's flavor text that you know i feel like you got to give us more credit than that that's an iconic lava flavor yeah. text i will say i blanked on it right before like i didn't buzz in on it immediately because i was like that i know that's familiar yeah well we your brain was also in a place where we were kind of expecting all of the questions to be counterspell counter as the answer yeah. so <laughs> like what counterspell is this <laughs> It is really fun. Like every single counterspell, not just the card counterspell, but like every single card that counters a spell and has flavor text. The flavor text is always the same thing, which is like, I am the sassiest boy. Yes. <laughs> it was so easy for me to counter your spell, you big dumb moron. I don't know why they decided to lean into that, but it's every one. <laughs> I guess because countering a spell is like always kind of it's like, oh, there's a big spell coming up. Oh, it's gone. And it's like kind of narratively similar. The main non planeswalker bad guy in Kaladesh is Baral, right? And he's just mm -hmm. a counter spell guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is he sassy? Is Baral sassy? He's kind of just evil. OK. Uh, mage racist. Yeah, that's what we're going with. Oh, OK. Yeah. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 321 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castor-Apple. With me is Lee McLeod. Hey Lee. Hi Chris. How are you? I'm doing great. Fantastic. Great. Excellent. It's cold though, so I gotta get used to that again. There's I I thought I was I went for a walk today. It was pretty nice out. Maybe it's because I got up when it was dark out and then I got back home when it was dark out. Oh, okay. So, I went for a walk at like 1 30 and it was perfect out, so I don't know what the sun looks like anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my least favorite both my least favorite like time of year and my least favorite part of like having to go into work is the i, I don't exist during the day yeah I, I i got to sneak in a little work from the work from home yesterday which was nice and my journey in the sun has ceased well before we get into uh some pretty like pretty relevant ban announcements i would say we got got some stuff to talk about uh before we get into that just want to thank patrons uh got some long-term patrons ed ian and leo still patrons to this day have stuck with us since 2019 and we deeply appreciate that we have some special gift coming for longtime patrons so keep an eye out for those we we appreciate y'all's like loyalty and just sticking with us through everything you know all the transformations the show has gone through over the years and you know we're still here we're still podcasting and and you're still with us and that's very cool 
it's a special gift that I've been gag ordered on. So, you know, it, it's super special. <laughs> yeah, we want y'all to see it before anybody else does. So, uh, and new patrons. David, Julian, and Nick, thank you, thank you so much for signing up for the Patreon. We'll send your stuff out relatively soon. I, I, I can only really like have a mail day once a month, but that's when stuff goes out. So you'll, you'll get your stuff, and you'll get your, your access to the additional content that I've been putting out every week. And uh, welcome. And everybody else, please feel free to come hang out in the Discord and come just chat with us. We've been having. A lot of discussions about Pioneer and Modern and whether certain decks still exist and whether certain decks are good or not. And, well, you know, we'll consolidate that down and that'll be most of what we're talking about today on the episode. I mean, yeah, because the big things that happen, right? Bans, bans, bans. Bans, bans, bans. Uh, yeah. Do we want to start with Modern and just kind of walk through that? Yes. So in Modern, ban announcement. Fury and up the Beanstalker band. Kind of. I mean, they they made it pretty clear, I guess, that Fury was going to get banned. That's at least what everybody assumed after the way they kind of communicated what they were unhappy with about the format. It was going to be something from Scam, and they wanted it to be like something that also hit four color. But they also hit four color by getting rid of up the Beanstalk. I think that is a pretty prescient. I I, I think. Banning something out of scam and then leaving up the beanstalk in the format would have been a huge problem potentially. Ooh, I was more confident they were going to ban up the beanstalk than any other individual card. Sure. I think it has bad play patterns and makes the game not about resource management in the way that can make it fun. And especially like creature decks trying to play against four color and they just land beans on turn two and just there's no way for you to keep up with them ever is daunting and bad gaming so glad to see it gone yeah the fury ban is a little cute for the beanstalk decks too because they don't even like playing fury most yeah. of the time just feel obligated yeah they were primarily playing it against scam yeah <laughs> and so without that there's a lot, a lot less incentive uh, except for yawgmoth which we might talk about later yeah like i've had a bunch of people asking me like you know, how does Living End get built now that Fury now that Fury is banned? And it's like, well, we were only playing Fury to beat Scam, so we just go back. We just play an old version of Living End and it's it's fine. Uh yeah. Fury was kind of a positive feedback loop where the more Furies got played, the more Furies got played because it was right. good against itself. Uh but it was also good against a lot of stuff. It, so it was good against decks, I think, that had already been largely pushed out of the format by Renin 6, Prismatic Ending, and Unholy Heat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, the, the, that MH2 removal suite, I guess Renin 6 is from MH2, but, but stay with me. The, the Horizons removal suite is really strong against creature decks, mm -hmm. and they've just not really been present. Like, you can think of a couple that Fury's really good against that are still played, mostly Yawgmoth, yeah. somewhat, like, any random merfolk deck people pick up or whatever we know is good is bad against fury but no one plays those so it doesn't matter right and then the the creature decks that see the most play are decks that have ways of kind of shrugging off of fury potentially like hammer and hardened scales in particular just you know fury can be very good against hammer but also sometimes it is not good enough and usually it's not that good against hardened scales so those are like creature decks that can kind of continue to exist yeah, but like the, the decks prior, you know, your Living End, your Rhinos, your Merktide, your Four Color, these are decks where you just like do not want Fury at all. 
Mm -hmm. So it was really a problem with Scam being so good. Yeah. And Fury also being good in that deck because of the redundancy of uh, even if you don't have Grief Scam, you can have Fury Scam. Yeah. And, and that's one thing that I want to talk about. You know, people have been and it's possible that Grief continues to be a problem in the metagame going forward. Card is really good. It's not going to be a problem with Not Dead After All and other cards like that. I don't believe that there's a reasonable way to construct a deck with grief and that card without another elemental in it. And none of the elementals work the way that Fury does with that card. Black, red, mid range, or whatever as an archetype going forward has to change dramatically. You can't run Not Dead After All with only one elemental in your deck. It just doesn't work. And like, it's not a good card. These aren't good magic cards. It's just that you had a bunch of cards in your deck that like worked just fine with them. And anytime you kept a hand with no elemental, but a scam effect in it, then you were just like, uh, all right, well, at least hopefully I can draw an elemental here. And if you don't have furies in your deck, that's, it's just not going to work. You, your count isn't high enough to make these unplayable cards playable. Yeah. I will piggyback off this to, to like mention like black, white scam. That was the original joke, right? Your ephemerates, mm -hmm. solitude, grief kind of deal with not dead after all. Mm -hmm. And people are like, can we just run it back? Can we just play black white scam? Because all the scam effects are still legal. The reason why scam was good is not just because you can flicker an elemental. Like yeah. solitude is not a good turn one play. Fury's effect barely does anything on turn one, but it kills your opponent in like two turns. <laughs> Yeah. Solitude takes like eight turns to kill your opponent. It's not the same. Turn one Solitude against Tron is not the same as turn one Fury on the play against Tron. It's not remotely the same universe. So I I, I do not think the black-white scam decks are playable. I don't think we need to be scamming. I'm not against abusing grief in some way. I just don't think you want to be like turn one all in as much as you were in the past. I mean, I think you do want to, but I don't think there's a way to make that sure. happen reasonably is all like, yeah, I, I, I'm not seeing and, you know, like black, white, like white just doesn't have the cards to make this kind of deck work. There's no multicolored cards to let you bridge your evoke costs. There's no Raghavan analog. Maybe there's some value card that you could replace Fable with, but there's certainly no Blood Moon analog for to, that like really helps in your like specific tougher matchups that Blood Moon is really good in. Like red just contributes stuff that white isn't able to bring to the table. It's that's just not what the color is about. Red is a better red's like the best color in modern for yeah. a long time. <laughs> so I don't foresee grief scamming being although grief scam was the most annoying part of the deck i don't foresee it being a problem at least in the immediate term until something else comes out that like lets you run those cards again but i don't i can't identify any way to build a deck right now that works and and I, i'll be surprised maybe something comes up but i'll be pretty surprised if like getting grief scammed is an issue in in the next several months I kind of wish they had hit grief rather than a fury just to get rid of the feel bads, but it, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter too much. I think that like if you are getting grief scammed, it's probably like a grief 
solitude ephemerate package in like the Goryeo's Vengeance Atraxa deck or something like that. That that seems like the most likely place, which is a totally different type of deck that like couldn't exist because of scam. And and that's a universe of decks that is uh, we're we're kind of open for business in modern, at least for a little bit as the the format gets figured out. Yeah. Although, you know, I think there are a couple bullies still lurking in modern. For sure. A, a lot of decks that couldn't beat Scam, like, are not going to beat just, like, Living End with Force of Negation or whatever. Like, th- there's a lot of similar stuff that you are going to run into. Yeah. Those pesky free interaction spells still do exist. <laughs> but nothing is going to be that same Ruthless. metagame share. That, that, right. Right. <laughs> Rakdos was ruthless and it was everywhere. You know, there were RCs where it was like 30, 40% of the field, or RCQs where it was like 30, 40% of the field or more. Like The RCQ this past weekend in our home state had 16 players, mm-hmm. 10 of which were playing Scam. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> so good luck, Breach player or whatever you, you know. <laughs> Like you can show up with breach and be like, yeah, living end is a bad matchup, but maybe I dodge it or play it once. And you just like couldn't do that with scam. So let's talk about what this means for the format, because scam is dying as the most important thing for the format. The deck is gone. Whatever Thoughtseize deck rises to take its place will simply not be as it's not going to shut you off from so many different angles and it will be much more beatable. And all of the aspiring spike brew type decks have a little more of a leash that they can run out on because there, there will not be a deck that has the same combination of, of pressure and disruption that that scam had access to. I guess my question is, do you think there will be any Thoughtseize decks? Because that's not usually a thing we see in modern. Like, it, it does pop up. Like, you think mm-hmm. of Death Shadow and all the Luris decks. Right. But those are usually heavily subsidized by something being really busted in black at the time. Mm-hmm. And long periods of black being a pretty bad color. Yeah. I mean, I think that probably Merktide becomes quite good. And that helps Thoughtseize be pretty bad because Thoughtseize and Murktide is just not a, a like super useful. Like if you're just a mid-range deck and you're trying to like Thoughtseize into Tarmogoyf or something like that, you know, that, that type of Thoughtseize game plan into is Ren not... Six. Or One. Thoughtseize into Ren and Six, sure. <laughs> that type of game plan is not super effective against, you know, the expressive iteration Murktide region deck. The amount of Thoughtseizing in the format is, I, I believe, going to go down drastically. Some some Death Shadow decks can probably exist. I, I, I haven't been... I was never super impressed by them. I, I don't know. It's just like a combination of like the threats not actually like lining up very well anymore and the like dealing damage to yourself with your lands actually like being... I, I mean, it was a particular liability because Scam would just like crunch you up if you paid too much life with your lands and then you just die to a Voidwalker or whatever. But uh, yeah, I don't know, maybe a Death Shadow deck, but I'm not, that's not the place where I'm like looking to go in this format right now. That's not what I'm hoping to, that's not what I'm excited to play. It, it doesn't feel particularly good given what you're now allowed to do potentially. Yeah, I think the main bully successor to Scam is just going to be Four Color mm-hmm. or Rhinos. I think those are the two forefront, like people have all these cards and are ready to play these decks and they have 
a good barrier to stopping people from doing their thing. Yeah. I mean, rhinos, definitely like part of the draw to rhinos was that it could actually do, you know, casting a cascade spell against scam, you were actually getting a good amount of value out of a single card, which was hard to do. You didn't have set up. You just had a thing that worked against them most of the time, at least in game ones. That was much less true post board. I don't know how much of a draw that's necessarily going to be, but if the format goes in a place where like, oh, we don't have fury to work, worry about anymore. Let's play like creature decks, you know, rhinos kills a creature and then play puts two, four, four tramples into play and then kills another creature. And then you die to the rhinos. Rhinos is pretty good against creature decks generally. Yeah. I also think Tishana's Tidebinder is really, really, really good in the rhinos deck. It's impressed me a lot. Like I yeah. was very, I've been historically very low on rhinos, uh, but especially with the advent of the one ring which is kind of like a a fog and you get to draw a million cards so you can actually like one for one the rhinos deck with the right. playing their bunch of four fours all at one turn uh with tide binder you kind of get to circumvent that some percentage of the time where your opponent put like pays a four mana to cast a ring and you stop it yeah and you can stop the like you can counter the fog if you just have a, an attack lined up and that is really strong it, it it definitely used to be like can you force a negation this ring if not like you're probably gonna die to it and now you have a lot more copies of a card that stops it and yeah i, I do think that helps and, and tidebinder yeah just impressive in rhinos for sure it also counters other cascade triggers <laughs> yeah and i think that's a really big deal so especially in like so the living end versus rhinos matchup living end heavily favored traditionally and one of the reasons is obviously your cascade is just bigger than theirs and it doesn't even matter if you do it after theirs and you kill their rhinos but even if you do it before theirs then them cascading into rhinos is generally irrelevant compared to the size of the living end the card waker of waves is just unbeatable if it comes into play but like one of the specific things was uh living end hits three mana with some stuff in its graveyard passes the turn upkeep violent outbursts with a force of negation in hand and that violent outburst is basically 100% to resolve they can hard cast a force of negation and then you just force back and that's like the only thing that they can do and if as long as you have the force then you have it covered now even in game ones because they're main decking these Tishana's tide binders if you do that you pass you upkeep unless you are on the play now if they have three mana up, they can Tidebinder your Cascade Trigger. Force of Negation can't counter a Tishana's Tidebinder. You need subtlety for that. So I think it does give you, you know, you're you're less just like fearless. You know, you have fewer of these turns that it's just like, yeah, literally nothing can go wrong here. I can do whatever I want and just put this game away right now. And I think that is pretty big for I, the matchup is still probably pretty bad for Rhinos, but not as hopeless, I would say. You can steal games where you just couldn't before. Like right. it was very difficult to do. Yeah. I, I, I really like Tishana's Tidebinder in, in the Rhinos deck. I don't know. I've seen people try to play it in other decks and it has not impressed me. I think it's mostly the Cascade getting around the Cascade drawback. The deck building portion of it is where I like, like it makes sense to play Tidebinder here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that is true. It's just like, this is why I kind of, overlooked it the first time even though people were saying oh look at 
this thing it was just like a three mana stifle thing is and and it's really just got to be in a deck that doesn't mind putting a three mana spell right. in it has some reason to play a three mana disruptive spell and being a cascade deck is one of those reasons and you have some more room too because you don't have to play fury or rather you cannot play fury <laughs> yeah so and and i think tidebinder gets better too right because like the four color decks can't use up the beanstalk as their card advantage engine anymore they're going to be relying on the one ring and renin six to get their cards and so if all if more decks are playing the one ring then tashana's tidebinder just has more good targets and i think that's really helpful for it yeah i actually quite like the i don't know the matchup i haven't played either side of it especially in the new format but mm-hmm. between four color and rhinos it's not clear to me that there's a a winner at the the way the decks are both being built mm-hmm. like it feels like it could be back and forth and if that's the case i do like the spot of of rhinos in the format right now yeah i think that it's tough for me to predict whether these like there's there's a, a list of decks that were just like the scam matchup made them a non-starter in the format and and they just slowly got removed from the format over time as people were just like i give up i can't fix this there's too much scam around this doesn't work uh, underworld breach and twiddle storm are like two of the standouts there and i don't know I, I like I'm sure there are many others. Those are just the ones that I'm thinking of is these decks that like you mentioned oh Gordia's Vengeance. Like anything that sure. wants to be preordained adjacent is kind of ooh. Yeah. Any deck that like Dothy Voidwalker and Orcish Bowmasters is good against is like that 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 was not a good spot. But now there's potential. I can't say whether any of these decks actually are good enough now they've they've been like sidelined for too long for me to <laughs> evaluate what their position is going to be in the the future metagame but they're not non-starters anymore at least uh, it, it kind of just depends on what people are up to right mm-hmm. uh these are the kind of decks like breach or twiddle where they are good gold fishing decks but they can get they're, they're still not great against free spells uh in mass if your opponents are playing a bunch mm-hmm. of force negation still back yeah. them up with griefs somehow uh like well there's again. one specific deck that does <laughs> that yeah <laughs> like I, I you have to be able to build your sideboard to combat that and you have to kind of know what the format is before you do that mm. uh twiddle not as much because you you barely have a sideboard you just have a wishboard right good old karn stuff well, you're not playing actual karn but you, you barely sideboard with that deck mm-hmm those can be explored. I'm interested in a breach a lot more than twiddle. Yeah, your cards are cheaper and more good. You could different... play standalone cards like Ragavan is in the breach right. deck, right? And is not, tw- and twiddle is in the twiddle deck. Right. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about Yagmoth? That is a deck that was not great against scam, but serviceable. And Fury, it's like nightmare card has just been banned. Yeah, and the thing was like. Right. What we were saying earlier is that Fury forced other decks to play Fury because you needed to be Rakdos Gam and Fury was your best card for that. And Yogg continued to be played through this, but it, it caught a lot of just it caught a lot of strays by Fury being in so many decks. 
Fury is really good against Yawgmoth because the best way to beat Yawgmoth is not to engage with the card Yawgmoth, but to keep your opponent's board clear so that they don't have an opportunity to put Yawgmoth into play and get value from it. Fury is just one of the best cards ever printed for doing that particular job. Playing, you know, Living End against Yawgmoth, it's always been a pretty good matchup for Living End, but once there were once I was boarding up to four Furies against Yawgmoth and could just like kill all of their stuff it, it, it just wasn't even close it was very silly so not having to deal with fury at all anymore and you can just put your mana dorks into play you can just get ready to court of calling without thinking like god if they have a fury this just all comes crumbling down that's a big deal that that never happens to you anymore yeah it, it's really good i haven't been playing yagmoth for like a month now mm-hmm. uh it's been great i've loved the deck and I'm very happy to see Fury gone. But like part of me wonders if this is just like not good for Yawgmoth. Because the decks that are coming out are, in my eyes, mostly Cascade decks, mm-hmm. which are horrible matchups. Like the Living In, the Rhinos. Rhinos is, is not a good matchup. <laughs> it is really rough. Traditionally, it's your worst matchup, yeah. Yeah, you talked about how rough creature decks are against... Uh, rhinos and that's so true for yogmoth even when your half your creatures come back they just mm-hmm. like tag your mana creatures all the time and whittle down your board and counter your court of calling and it's and put a four put an eight power into play really early the, the rhinos having trample is you know ironic like the biggest part of that matchup honestly it's like you can never block the damage they just kill you throughout through however many creatures you have in play i do a lot of try to keep an o5 wall of roots in play right <laughs> <laughs> which is not how the card is powerful that actually influences my my deck building just the existence of yogmoth and like the way that the creatures in yogmoth block like i believe that it'll be right to play several oliphants in living end going forward even though you don't have fury anymore just because that any attack involving an oliphant basically kills yogmoth like they will never have enough life to effectively yogmoth after that Especially since their board is super low. Like, the only times I ever get close to beating Living End is when Grist is rolling like a god for me. <laughs> if, if you get a, a cauldron, you can you can make something happen sometimes. I hadn't played that much against um, Living End, and my only cauldron experience was when I was too far behind for it to matter. Sure. I mean, I'm, I'm still cautiously optimistic for Yogg. The Cascade decks, if the Cascade decks start seeing a lot of play they become victims of their own success generally. And, you know, the format can adjust to them. And then once people are chalicing the Cascade decks, then decks like Yawgmoth can can have like a real shot. So a neat thing, uh, Tashana's Typebender also hits Chalice, which is very cool. Yes, that is really <laughs> cool. You do need to cast something into it to make the Chalice trigger. You though. do, yeah. Games with Chalice do get weird, and getting to six mana with a Chalice in play is a thing that like is going to happen a lot because it's a Chalice game, right? I, I mean, also occasionally you suspend a Crashing Footfalls in your opener mm, and true. then play Chalice on turn two or something, and then you you have Tresilus Tidebender and you can set set it up. Yeah, that probably happens a lot, actually. Yeah, like that. That's more likely than the six mana thing, right? Tidebender also is really good against Amulet, and uh, you know I, I'm. Part of me is wondering, like, is Amulet just really, really good now? 
but I, I do think that Tidebinder like is kind of immense there. It it is good against both like, oh, we're playing this kind of mid-rangey game. Here's a, a one ring and to bridge me into things. Well, Tidebinder's great against the one ring. It's also really great against the card amulet. If you get to that point in the game, if you're not just dead before you have Tidebinder mana up, you know, amulet in play, they play a bounce land, trigger their amulet, you counter that triggered ability, and now their amulet doesn't have text anymore. Yeah, it, you know, worst case scenario, it does stop Primeval Titan. Yeah, or or it, it like does this like very brief subtlety impression against Primeval Titan. You got to kill them like right then. Well, it but does usually, take away all of the abilities, so the the Primeval Titan is just a six six. Right, and so if they don't have more to follow up that Titan with, yeah, then you're kind of fine. Yeah, and, and usually when you get your Titan down against Rhinos, you you need to get those triggers then in order to you know stabilize yeah they, they usually have a board yeah i i do like amulet though like i, I think that deck is still impressive it did mm -hmm. not it only got better from the bands uh, yeah i don't know the four color matchup very well with amulet but i know the scam matchup was horrendous i so i don't think it's as bad as and then this doesn't matter anymore right because scam is is not sure. a deck but I, I think it was a lot closer to even than people would think scam just like has a bunch of cards that don't really do that much against amulet like Bowmasters doesn't do anything a lot of times ragavan would either get blanked by a grazer or it would just you know hit multiple times make meaningless treasures because you're kind of out of resources to cast with the treasures and all the cards in their deck don't do anything for you so like hit like i've, I've lost games where i've hit them with a ragavan four times on amulet and then they just draw out of it eventually and, you know, they're not really like a furiable deck and stuff. So you have a bunch of cards that don't work incredibly well against them. It, it was I think it was closer to even than, than people thought. It's just really dependent on how hard you're blood mooning more than anything else. Yeah. And and it is nice that Amulet does not have to see another blood moon deck in the format, like a, a hard blood moon deck. I suspect, however, that the role of like mid-range deck that can kill creatures will be mostly replaced by Murktide. And the more Murktide there is in the format, the tougher things get for Amulet. Do you think Murktide will be more or less popular than Fort Color Control? I think more popular. And I base that mostly on like people enjoy playing Merc. Like more people are like Murktide type players than they are Fort Color Control type players. I'm not sure myself. Like I, I agree with you on a base level, but it feels like everyone already owns these Fort Color cards anyway. So yeah. I don't know. I, I It always seems to me the Murktide is just a little short of being powerful. Like it plays all good cards, but it's not. It doesn't win that much. Yeah. A good clip. That's why they unban Preordain, right? To Like Murktide sucks. We got to unban Preordain. Yeah. I mean, I think that mostly doesn't matter for its play rate in the format. Like while you had while you were pincered between up the beanstalk as a card that like Murktide basically couldn't beat if it hit play and like Rakdos scam as a, a deck that you were formerly favored against probably now like 49% against or something like that. You know, playing Murktide didn't make a ton of sense in the format. And now I think that it it's going to make a lot more sense too. But basically like how do you ever beat up the beanstalk with your Murktide deck? You don't. And now that it doesn't exist, that, you don't have to worry about it anymore. You can beat a one ring with your deck. You play the card Counterspell. Yeah. And Express Federation, which is just like a little one ring. 
And I'm sure that Murktai can play some number of Tishana's Tidebinders and be happy with it. That's fair. I, I hadn't seen that yet, and I didn't consider it. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I, I still am not Murktide positive as a deck I'm not going to play it. That's, that, I'm not recommending it. I'm just saying it will see play, and I understand why. Okay. All right, where do you want to go from here? Mm, what are you excited to do in Modern now? What What has this opened up for you? Ooh, that's a bad question, because we're at the end of Modern season, and I'm tired of it. <laughs> I'm so okay. tired of Modern. Like, I... I am probably skipping. I, I like to play Magic every week, like locally, mm-hmm. and it's always modern because that's just the most popular format around here. I'm probably just not going to play any modern locals for a, a good a little while. Like I, I really am not into it. But for the sake of the question, to yes. entertain the question, thank you. Honestly, I just want to try Yavimoth still. Like that deck is mm-hmm. feels very good still. Yeah, I think it's gotten worse after the bannings, and mm-hmm. there are decks that I want to try that have gotten better, like uh, Breach. But Yawgmoth has been a blast, and I've really enjoyed it. I can also see just like going back to Hardened Scales. I really enjoyed playing that deck before Wild's Little Drain came out, uh, and that was a format where a bunch of decks existed and Scam wasn't all over the place yet. Mm-hmm. And it, I was winning a bunch and having fun there. So maybe I could play scales again, but who knows? Yeah, I mean, it, it occupies a totally different spot, like a totally different purpose in the metagame from what it did, you know, just previous to this band announcement. Like in the metagame, it was this is the only deck we've found that just has a favorable matchup against scam. And so if you play against scam enough, then you do just fine with hardened scales. Unfortunately, up the beanstalk was very, very difficult to beat with hardened scales. Yeah, but so so now your your best matchup or like the reason to play the deck is gone from the metagame but your worst matchup is also gone from the metagame and so it's just a totally different like reshuffle of percentages and you got to figure out like what's what's the justification what's what makes it right to play hardened scales in the format now because it's it's a totally different ball game i also do like if if my predictions end up correct and rhinos becomes popular mm-hmm. hardened skills is very good against rhinos yeah yeah like it, it, the games feel competitive up until like turn four, and then you're like, "How are their creatures bigger than my rhinos? What, I, what happened?" Yeah. <laughs> I've been killing all of their creatures, and they still have more power and toughness than like my deck is capable of putting onto the battlefield. Yeah, it, it's just it got kind of funny, but I, uh, but that's it. I, that, those those are. I, I know it's kind of boring because it's the decks I've been playing, but Aga Soul Cauldron is so cool it's so good yeah. <laughs> i love that card it's it's so, really awesome gonna keep playing those until something else catches my eye basically maybe yeah. i'll play glimpse of tomorrow i couldn't play glimpse of tomorrow for a good clip because scam was so good <laughs> <laughs> and there's some cards i want to try in it so i will play some glimpse of tomorrow decks for fun probably nice what about you, ccr what are you thinking about I'm cautiously optimistic about the modern format generally. I don't think that, like, I think that a Fury ban and a Grief ban both end up, like, having kind of the desired effect on the format. They they certainly at least knock Scam out, and that, that was the number one goal here. Uh, so I'm, I'm totally fine with the bans as, as announced. I 
do think that there is potential for grief to be a problem in the future. The card is very strong and as long as you are exploiting the fact that it's putting the body into the graveyard, you know, then it's really good. And the question is just, can we do that somehow? And whenever you are, the card is is pretty good. So we'll kind of see where that goes. Uh, as far as like what I'm excited to try in modern, I'm probably just going to kind of like keep on trucking with my uh, maybe, maybe when, you know, RCQ season comes back around for modern. We we branch out a little bit, but I think that it's a pretty safe time to continue playing Living End. Yeah, I think the deck's good. You know, I'll I'll happily play that against even and and you know it's good for a deck like Rhinos to have more game against like having that predatory of a matchup in the format is like kind of brutal for this your your mid range four four tramples deck, and I, I think it's good for it to get a little more game in that kind of matchup and. Yeah, it's the cascade decks deserve everything <laughs> i guess so <laughs> <laughs> but i am mostly thinking about pioneer right now uh we have the rc coming up in about a week and a half we got a pretty sizable ban announcement we knew geological appraiser was going to get banned we knew karn was going to get banned and we were pretty sure something was going to get unbanned but we didn't know exactly what turns out that card is smuggler's copter I'm, it's kind of unfortunate that I'm so underwhelmed by this ban <laughs> because it's by all accounts like a pretty good card. It's very fun to play as well. Like it just makes the deck smoothening very nice. But I don't know if this card matters that much. Is that heretical? I think it doesn't matter all that much, but I think that's kind of great in a way because people like I think just getting this ban announcement kind of is a downer a little bit and nobody's like sad to see geological appraiser go and nobody's sad to see karn go i mean bobby fortinelli is sad to see karn go but most people aren't sad to see karn go but it, it's kind of just like a these cards have been making the format unfun for a while and now we're gonna take them out and you can do other things but probably the decks that have been good are still going to be good. And Smuggler's Copter getting unbanned, while I don't think it like really shifts that much, like which decks are good, people are having a lot of fun playing Smuggler's Copter decks in just the leagues and stuff and brewing and posting decks online. It's it's just a card that like has some cachet and like coolness. It's colorless, so it can go into a zillion different decks it boosts creature decks or at least the desire to build a creature deck and it it's just neat and i think that that's a good enough reason to unban it but i agree i don't think it's like i, I don't know if there will be any smugglers copter decks in the top eight of the rc yeah i don't think there it would surprise me to see like some smugglers copters in the top eight but they're not going to be smugglers copter decks Right. The way that mono black of old pioneer was a smuggler's copter deck right. primarily. It'll be like, oh, this makes Grease Fang a lot better because we put smuggler's copter in it or something like that. Yeah, I mean, Philip was telling our group chat earlier, he was playing a red black deck with Inti and uh, what is it? Stalagmite Stalker? Stalacite Stalker? I don't remember mm -hmm. what the card's called. And it was Copter. 
and and fable of the mirror breaker and just like trying to discard cards to trigger inti or the stalker to make them big or draw cards and having a bunch of free ways to do that was really nice yeah uh and his report after the league was over and he five owed was that smuggler's copter was kind of bad mistake yeah <laughs> he just kept he just kept discarding it to inti or fable i do like that package though i've been impressed by games that i've seen that different builds around it but that like inti fable copter like just gives you a lot of playable discard outlets and and ways to do graveyard stuff or just churn through your deck and find the things that you need and i i I do think that inti is quite good once you put those looters next to it and and yeah it does some impressive stuff like it's a must kill whenever i see it and stuff my my thing about inti during spoiler season was that I, i liked the card but it was so hard for me to imagine not playing it alongside free discard mm-hmm. <laughs> and now, like fable right. which is rotated mm-hmm. from standard at least but yeah. now like with fable and smuggler's copter i like inti i bought yeah. some yeah I've, I've been impressed with it now every time it comes into play i'm just like i gotta find a fiery impulse for this thing it, it cannot Quickly. stay in play yeah because that they, it can grow itself yeah my my opponent I, I was forced to like allow my opponent to untap with a Kroxa in play, and then Inti gave it Trample, which <laughs> made that game pretty hairy for me. Yeah, Inti fueling Kroxa is pretty cool too, or the, all the discarding fueling Kroxa. Yeah, yeah. So I think that for like format engagement and excitement, and it just like creates good optics around this ban announcement rather than just like all right time to get to work figure out what's good now that like green isn't playable and we don't have to worry about the cascade decks anymore a lot of that energy goes into like let me try this smuggler's copter deck and i think that's kind of a more exciting thing for a lot of people yeah i know i'm so happy the card is gone my that card could die (laughs) (laughs) yeah I, i don't even care like I don't care that green wasn't that good right now or anything. Karn being gone is just nice. That's that's just a positive for the format at, at this point. Bring back the Insul Artifact decks. Got Insul <laughs> um, Smuggler's Copter. We got yeah. Zoetic Glyph from the Ixlon set. We're doing it. Yeah. Got the, the indestructible equipment. Yeah, the diamond pickaxe. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I, I think Karn being gone is quite good. I think that, you know, there, there's some pretty clear possible winners from this. I think that, like, Greasefang both gets uh, a whole new possible way of building it now with Smuggler's Copter and also doesn't have to run into Karn anymore. And that's really good. I don't know if that's enough to make Greasefang good especially in a world where Phoenix is probably the most heavily played deck in the format. That's that's still a, a tough road to travel. Uh, yeah, I think Grease Fang's unplayable because Phoenix is so strong. Yeah. Like, why would you do that to yourself? Like, what are you trying to accomplish? It's tough. And and I think that... I, I think that there are plans that Grease Fang can have against Phoenix that can work pretty well until you run into a prepared Phoenix opponent. And I think that most of the Grease Fang sideboard plans against Phoenix aren't going to work against day two RC competition generally. Like bringing in Leyline of the Void and uh, like maybe some plan based on the card silence can work or something like that. But you just end up 
I haven't been super impressed by it. And a lot of times it's just like they've done all of this work to keep their to, to, to like try to kill me with like Mosswood Dread Knights or whatever and like be threatening a possible Grease Fang. And then I am able to just like bounce a ley line of the void, cast a treasure cruise, cast a crackling or or just cast a crackling drake and nothing else. Cast a crackling drake with a mana up or whatever. And it's like there's just too many angles of attack here that you can't effectively engage in in the matchup. And it it it, it seems too tough for Grease Fang to compete with Is it Phoenix. Which would be okay if Phoenix weren't going to be a huge percentage of the field because it's one of those decks that is extremely appealing, just like Murktide. Mm-hmm. It's a Steam Vents like agency deck, air quotes agency deck. <laughs> and yeah. it's very good. So a lot of people are going to play it, even if they wouldn't normally. And it's just not a recipe to an, an ignorable matchup the way you can. Right. you know play phoenix and ignore lotus field right? right which is my mostly my plan yeah um yeah i i agree and i i, I will say if you are playing grease fang like i do think that smuggler's copter is just good in grease fang and the arguments that i've seen for like it's too slow like it's not what grease fang is about grease fang has to present its turn three combo like i don't know the number of games that I have played, I have played so many matches against Grease Fang. The number of games where a Smuggler's Copter would have been really good is the vast majority of them. So Also, I don't know. I've played a lot against Grease Fang as well, and they never always go off on turn three. <laughs> That's yeah, just not realistic. Right. They obviously want to threaten that, but the games go longer. Like If your opponent just has a Fiery Impulse up and you have the opportunity to play a Grease Fang or play a Smuggler's Copter, you can just like play the Copter. Right. play a creature if you've already played a copter yep yep and and i think that that is a good option to give yourself i, I don't know if it's the best smuggler's copter deck in the world because it's not a very good combat damage deck for the most part but it does the looting thing that grace likes to do anyway i mean i think a lot of the games against the removal decks that are trying to hold up something to kill grease fang with you generally win with chip shots or or your chip shots and such yeah or your chip shots force them to tap out at some point and just hope you don't have it and then you punish them and and so i think the three damage from the smuggler's copter actually matters a lot especially in like post board games i think a really big possible home for smuggler's copter you know you can put it in just like rakdos midrange i played against jarvis playing it it seems like kind of a side grade from Bankbuster, just kind of like better in some spots worse in some other spots I do think that Copter is really good in Sacrifice because it just, you know, that's a deck that loves to churn. It always has just like a random body sitting there that like can't really do anything yet. Drawing a cat without an oven, now you can discard it or you can crew the Copter with it. And I think just finding your your relevant cards quicker and every point of damage you get in with Sacrifice does matter because... Yeah, pressuring with the Smuggler's Copter 3-3 Flying Body is very nice in that deck. Yeah. Your Mayhem Devil deck. Yeah. So, and, and your Sacrifice, which means that all the other Smuggler's Copter's decks are going to be unfavored against you. You're just going to have an advantage against them because you are good against creature, small creature decks like that. I, I, I like Sacrifice. I just don't know the matchup spread to know how like things are going to shake up for it. 
Yeah. I mean, I don't know exactly what it is. You don't have to. So one thing is with green, not really part of the metagame, you don't need to do the like main decking thoughtsies thing anymore. So you can. That's true. If you're focused on the creature decks in the format, then you can just be like this fatal push, claim the firstborn, like hyper efficient removal deck, like kind of similar to Phoenix in a way. You have good card advantage engine and really efficient ways of dealing with creatures. How does that deck match up against Phoenix? It's bad against Phoenix. That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's the problem. And I think that you have to really aggressively go after the matchup in your sideboard. I, I think you kind of have to play Leyline of the Void if you're doing Sacrifice because the Phoenix matchup is so difficult. Otherwise, you never really get chip damage in with your creatures because they kill your creatures. Like And like Ledger Shredder dies to a lot of stuff but if it is in play then obviously you're not getting through with anything ledger shredder is not the main part of the matchup though it's mostly just that like you can't really do anything about the phoenixes and they will kill you in the air as they pay one mana to kill your mayhem devil every time it comes down and because of the way that you can play your mayhem devil with some like sacrifice triggers like in the bank ready to go but because a removal spell is going to get aimed at it immediately upon like the them getting priority, you're only getting like that one go with it each time. And you're probably not dealing that much damage that matters, really, because Phoenix doesn't have a bunch of creatures in play that it paid cards for or anything like that. And just like things don't work out great for the stuff that Sacrifice is doing generally. But the fact that like all the creatures in Phoenix have flying, so cat can't block any of them means that like one of your main creature defenses is just offline and you just end up dying a lot of the time. And uh, Crackling Drake is uh, really difficult to tangle with post board. Are there any other Smuggler's Copter inclusive decks you want to you think are introduced or improved? Do you want to tackle? Well, so I was looking at Merfolk, but then I tried playing it and the format is pretty creature unfriendly. Like the removal is just really good. Lots of decks, lots of cards are good against creatures. This is a bone crusher giant, fiery impulse, shieldred, like the these are the cards that define the format, right? And just like bodies are pretty bad against these cards. And then also not having your own removal means that all of the cards that your opponents put into play just kind of wreck you. You can't kill a shieldred. You can't do anything about a ledger shredder. Uh, and so I am not, I, I love the, the like Agatha's soul cauldron synergies and stuff in the Merfolk deck with, with Kumena. And like, I think that it's really cool. And the enchantment legitimately is really powerful and sets up deeper some pilgrimage deeper pilgrimage yeah it, it sets up some really cool stuff but uh, you're just you have too many guys that are just bodies and that's bad in this format yeah that is my kind of end state with merfolk like i i did like the deck a lot uh, mm-hmm. on paper especially with the unbanning of smuggler's copter being kind of a better kimena yeah, because you can just crew your creatures with smuggle copter over and over again to tap them to get yeah. more tokens with your pilgrimage. It's sick. But if you don't have any of your synergies going and they're just picking apart your guys, your deck doesn't do anything. Right. And you're playing like 
Kumena's speaker. It's just a two-two. Like these, I I I feel like if the deck works, you got to figure out a way to not run that card. But also having only eight one drops is like I wonder if you're if you need to run like Llanowar Elves in the deck or something like that. No, I don't think it would do that. Yeah, I would rather play like Biomancer and Cenote Scout before I. Oh, I know, but I'm saying eight one drops is not enough. Oh, 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 oh. yeah, because yeah, yeah. because Deep Root Pilgrimage and Smuggler's Copter and Agatha Soul Cauldron all cost two, so you mm-hmm. need like you can't you can't just have a deck where all of your cards cost two mana. Okay, yeah. I don't know of a better one drop Merfolk than. Come in the speaker other right. than those two. <laughs> and I think that kind of kills you. Also, Silvergill Adept is just like so clunky. You know, it draws you card, but it's not really contributing that much and costs two mana. So, uh, you know, probably I'd look to cut that as well for something more effective. I'm willing for someone else to do that work for me since. Can we talk about Phoenix? I know we've we spent yes. a lot of time talking about Phoenix already. But no, this but is it's the most that... important deck in the format, I think. Yeah, it's been dominant for a while. There's been a bunch of like blue-black versions of Phoenix mm-hmm. that have been popping up. And let's just like read the room and what's Phoenix on about against all these smuggler scopters or non-smuggler scopter decks. Like how did it improve or deprove from the bannings? Yeah, so my gut is, and and this seems to be playing out at least in early days, you know, every smuggler scopter deck is going to be a creature deck because you have to create a Smuggler's Copter. Smuggler's Copter happens to be a 3-3 when it's crude, which is the proper size for Fiery Impulse to kill for one mana. But generally, is it Phoenix should be viewed as an anti-creature deck. You run four Fiery Impulses, you run four Lightning Axes, and you churn through your deck, casting those along the way on whatever creatures your opponent happens to put into play, getting like these huge tempo advantages because you're killing generally two and three mana creatures with your one mana removal spells that buys you time to cast your cantrips and then you treasure cruise and then your opponent dies so you can also use the phoenixes themselves as removal yes like yeah if you especially against spirits i know it's relevant where you just put phoenixes into play and they're like oh i can never win yeah (laughs) yep they didn't attack me what what do i do I I can't counter those because they just came back off of this discard from the lightning axe. Yeah. Is it Phoenix is super well positioned generally like the thing it preys on are creature decks and any smugglers copter deck is going to be a creature deck. And I think that that puts Phoenix into an even better spot than it was in previously. It was in a fine spot previously. The deck is just really good with the extra cantrips. You treasure cruise so consistently and so early and you just are able to find what you need really, really well. The deck is in- super impressive, and I-, I have a lot of games where I'm just like, yeah, we play a long game, and now I'm just getting back four phoenixes every turn until you die. It's The deck is strong. Uh, the Demir, is it like dichotomy? So Demir sprung up because... Bitter Triumph exists, which gives you a way to discard Phoenixes and and in your removal slot, similar to Lightning Axe. And it mostly exists just because the card Thoughtseize is incredibly good. And I am sympathetic to that. I played the deck. I top-aided a challenge with it. I beat Rakdos four times in a row in the Swiss of that challenge because that's, that's what I had to play against that day. And yeah, it's fine. However... 
the the trade-off for putting Thoughtseize in your deck is your removal is just way clunkier across the board. Fatal Push is a lot worse in a deck that can't trigger Revolt than Fiery Impulse is. You'll never kill a 3-mana creature with it, whereas Fiery Impulse kills like most of the 3-mana creatures in the format. Uh, Lightning Axe is, I think, just better than Bitter Triumph because it costs 1 mana. And costing one mana is really important when you are also trying to cast, you know, free the Fey, and you're also trying to turn through your deck with your cantrips. And that one mana discount is huge because you're going to use that mana on stuff. And you just want to cast all your spells every turn until you get to treasure cruise. And it's very difficult to have bitter triumph as your last spell on a getting Phoenix back turn to discard a Phoenix because you can't really like, a lot of lightning axes are on my turn four. I'll, you know, free the Fey. Ah, there's a lightning axe. And then I'll cast a cantrip and then a lightning axe discarding this Phoenix. And that was a very efficient turn. And now I get at least one Phoenix back. And Bitter Triumph is not part of that. Like, you know, you need two one mana spells and that's less likely to happen. So. So, like, the deck is okay. Thoughtseize definitely makes you, like, way better versus, like, Lotus Field specifically, and I'm sure helps you against, like, blue-white. Way better. <laughs> well, I, I think, like, so I played some matches against Will on it, and I mm-hmm. felt, like, totally fine playing against Lotus Field, honestly. if you That's like, interesting. If you draw the first Thoughtseize, that gives you time to start treasure cruising, and now your deck is incredibly dense on thought seizes at that point because you yeah. just the rest of your deck is cantrips and treasure cruises. So as long as you kind of like hit the first one to slow them down a little bit, then you're able to cast more thought seizes as you clock them and it it works out a lot better for you. That said, Lotus Field is going to be a I'm just not going to sit here and be worried about my Lotus Field matchup. There's no point. Yeah, it's going to be like 2% of the room or less. Jap- Japan, uh, the Japan RC had two Lotus Field decks in right. total. <laughs> and I think Lotus Field will be a good choice for this RC, but I don't care that other yeah, that, that other people should play it. Like, I should play it. I'm not gonna. So I no, just, I think you should play Phoenix. Yeah. Um, I, I think Phoenix is a largely better choice than Lotus Field. Yeah, I mean, I think it is better against a lot of the, like, random smugglers copter decks that can sideboard into, like, some counter spells to support their creatures with and stuff, so. I mean, some of that is also the prevalence of just fast creature decks, like Convoke. Like, mm-hmm. you'd way rather play against Convoke with your million removal spell deck than your, god, I hope I draw an Arboreal Grazer deck. Yeah, and I hope they're not the Thalia version, because I can't take that Thalia out, and I'll just yeah. die before, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think Is It Phoenix is the way to go. Just the efficiency of the removal spells is incredibly important to like the, the positioning of the deck and, and the reason to play it. Uh, the only thing that would push me towards Demir Phoenix is the mirror, because Thoughtseize is good in the mirror and go blanks out of the sideboard are incredible. Yeah. And if, if you choose Demir Phoenix, that should be your reason for it, is you just want to maximize your, your mirror win percentage. But I'm afraid that you're costing yourself too much in the matchups that are like the reason to play the deck. And it's not like you're hoping to play against Phoenix now that you're Demir Phoenix. You know, you're favored, but it's not like lights out necessarily uh, the way that 
oh, I have fiery impulses and lightning axes, and my opponent is casting like Llanowar elves into a three drop here. Like, I'm just going to win. Fang. Yeah. Fatal Push specifically doesn't kill Grease Fang. It doesn't kill a flipped Fable. It doesn't kill Graveyard Trespasser. You actually have like no good answer to Graveyard Trespasser as Demir game one. Like, Bitter Triumph hitting Graveyard Trespasser is like very caught. Like, you're, you're barely getting a mana advantage and you're paying the like several cards or two cards and three life and it, it's just like not that likely to work out and fatal push just doesn't kill it so it's it's really difficult to deal with some of these threats like that i i, I was actually a little worried this would be the outcome <laughs> going out after, after the bannings mm -hmm. because phoenix was starting to get to like kind of oppressive levels in my opinion like after even before the bannings like it was just mm -hmm. everywhere all the over the latter rcs yeah and it shows no sign of slowing down well part of that was also that phoenix is one of the decks that just beats the cascade decks and you know that's not a motivating factor for deck choice anymore and maybe with cascade decks gone people can target phoenix a little more but i do think that you know how, how do they target phoenix like it's it's a very difficult deck to target well, you know, like Convoke playing Thalia main deck and stuff is a pretty common thing now. Okay. Play Anything play else? the third go blank <laughs> in your sideboard. Uh, sure. You know, just just like expend a little extra energy on your cards that are are good against Phoenix. Play play another Mystical Dispute if you're blue. That sort of thing. I think these are reasonable choices to make to make your deck better against Phoenix, but I don't think it really dynamically shifts how good phoenix is <laughs> sure yeah i think it's tough to i like i i legitimately think that the rakdos deck is the, the rakdos matchup is no worse than even for phoenix now i think your favored pre-board and then post-board they have go blanks and if they draw them then those games are hard uh so i have actually been playing an otherworldly gaze build of the deck based on like my starting point was like max doors version from the top four of the Canadian RC. I have been really impressed with Otherworldly Gaze. You just go forever. You never hit a spot where it's like, oh, they dealt with my Phoenixes and now I can't get them. Like you always get them back. Like you always yeah, are always able to find another spell. spell. Yeah. yeah, it's it's really impressive. And yeah, you I, th I think you take it out in most post board configurations. Uh, if they have any graveyard hate at all, you just don't want otherworldly gaze. But there's not very much main deck graveyard hate that matters for it. And so game one's having it, I think, is just good. And that's going to be my way to get an advantage in the Phoenix mirror is by playing otherworldly gazes. And I think that's just going to give me I, I mean, I know that just gives me more consistent access to Phoenixes and treasure cruises over the course of a game. And rather than playing like a, a version of the deck that loses traction in your best matchups in order to have an edge in the mirror. I'm just going to do this and hopefully have an edge in the mirror just by churning harder. Yeah. I, I think if you can improve your game one percentage against a lot of decks too, like mm -hmm. other, other worldly games should do for you. That improves the likelihood of you winning just one sideboard game. Like mm -hmm. when your opponent's boarding in like four go blanks or whatever. Yeah. And that's that's definitely my hope. I, I need to figure out the sideboard mapping and stuff because it is costly having four cards that almost always come out. But sometimes that just makes it easier because I don't need to think about what cards I need to take it like how 
Phoenix, all the cards are the same. So when you're boarding, you're like, do I trim? Do I, do, what, what, what do I do here? Well, just take out your otherworldly gazes and don't worry <laughs> about it at all. Yeah, you're good to go. It's like yeah. when I make a mistake in deck building and I'm midway through the tournament and I realize I can never play this card, so I just pour it out every time. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's, I love it when things are easy like that. And I I know that some people listening right now are making a skeptical face about Otherworldly Gaze, and I understand. It is not a card that I defaulted to appreciating in the deck, and it took, you know, it took playing against it multiple times and being like, holy crap, like, I just can't keep dealing with these phoenixes. Like, it just keeps happening. And, and eventually, slowly, I became accepting of this, like, minus one card cantrip in my deck. Because uh, I think it's just pretty good. You saw the light. Yeah. Or the darkness. <laughs> All right. So... The RC is next weekend, 10 days from now, give yep. or take. Yep. What do you think the top three-ish decks going into the tournament are as it stands right now today? Like the best decks or the highest percentage of the... like The best decks. Like what decks do you think you could a, a generic person could play right. to have the best shot at winning the tournament? I think Phoenix is the best deck. Um I think yeah, that I agree. that's just hard to dispute at this point. Uh, I think that Lotus Field is probably an excellent choice if you can make that work. And I know that I can't, so I'm not going to try. I have put way too many hours into Phoenix to like simulate, to come anywhere close to that win percentage with a deck like Lotus Field. So pretty happy to to stick with phoenix uh and i think convoke is excellent as well where does rakdos fall is it like right behind yeah it's close i think that the problem with rakdos though is that it no longer preys on phoenix that's just a dead heat and then uh it, it however is good in the creature matchups but i i guess i kind of struggle to see the draw to Rakdos over is it because I think it has a similar matchup profile, but just a little bit worse in a bunch of spots. Yeah. Okay. I I see where you're coming from. I agree for the most part. I I if I had to give my top three, mm-hmm. it's basically the same. I think Phoenix. I think you're either a Phoenix person or a Rakdos person. <laughs> sure. Uh, and I think they both kind of do the same thing. And personally, I think Phoenix is better in most ways. Mm-hmm. I don't think Rakdos is a bad deck. Far from it. I think it's no, great. I think it's, it's good just. Too. I think Phoenix is a lot better, <laughs> <laughs> and just more consistent. Uh, I love Convoke. I think Convoke is really strong. Mm-hmm. It's not a deck I play personally, but I'm continuously impressed by it. Like all the iterations people have done since the initial. Oh my God! It's Boros Hogak days. Mm-hmm. Have been very very good. Yeah. Uh, and I. I'm interested to see how it can match up against like the onslaught of Phoenix decks. I think it crushes basically every matchup that isn't playing one trillion removal spells. Yeah. And that's nice. Yeah. And my, my Phoenix sideboard is going to take that into account accordingly. I I think I am not leaving home with fewer than three sweepers in my sideboard. And that's just part of the game that you got to play. My number three is a wild card. 
Like I have not been feeling, I, I think Lotus Field is good. It won two challenges last weekend. Mm-hmm. It is a good deck. I have always felt that it's pretty bad against Convoke. Like you're just worse at racing it. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and and a lot of these Convoke lists have three Thali as main deck now, which right. is going to make that tougher too. And, and that's worrisome. But I do think a combo deck of some sort is positioned to do pretty well in a format of people trying to find their feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's Lotus Field. That's the like the first place to go. It could be something like creativity uh, that could come back mm-hmm. because you don't have to deal with all the like I can't go over the top of Mono Green. It's going to lock me out of all my stuff, kind of yeah. deal. Yeah, I. It could be. I had a third one in mind, like Amalia or something, but I don't know how that deck is going to like perform. I, I just see something attacking the format from this small percentage angle if it had, can find good plan against plans against phoenix mostly yeah could be a good a good spot uh, lotus field is like the default because it's just very strong and established if but someone it can build amalia and have a decent plan against phoenix i'm like really interested in that i it from the phoenix side it looks completely untenable like and and I have adapted my plans to it, and so my opponent's plans against me generally are running into me being a level ahead. Like, my opponent, I, I know that they bring in Leyline of the Void, I know that they lean on, like, Court of Calling and Return to the Ranks and stuff, and so my sideboard plan involves having... Well, okay, so Brazen Borrower is great because it bounces Leyline of the Void. It's also great because they can Wrath themselves and then you bounce their Amalia when they try to combo off. So Brazen Borrower is one of the funniest cards to bring in against Amalia. If you're going to play Amalia and you want to beat Phoenix, you need to be doing something different than what people are doing now, which is bringing in Leyline of the Void and maybe a couple of Fatal Pushes for Ledger Shredder and just like hoping really hard. So that that's what I'll say about Amalia. I wonder if that deck can also incorporate Smuggler's Copter. That's something I've been kind mm-hmm. of thinking about because it has a lot of bad creatures in it and it needs to find pieces pretty effectively. Mm-hmm. And Smuggler's Copter does upgrade creatures and find cards. It's like its whole thing. Yeah, I know one of our one of our patrons is super into Amalia and tried Smuggler's Copter and was unhappy with it as a main deck plan, but was considering it for like as a sideboard possibility for for grindy games and stuff. Uh, I want to touch on blue-white control because that is a deck I had praised previously, mm-hmm. uh, especially going into like the Cascade format, and I don't think it's very good now. <laughs> yeah, I think it loses a lot from the Cascade format not being a thing anymore, and then it loses a lot more from all of the creature decks having Smuggler's Copter now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like kind of the worst of both worlds. <laughs> It's not like you're defenseless against Smuggler's Copter ever or anything, but it is super annoying. But if you're playing against an opponent who's good at playing creature decks and you're trying to Supreme Verdict them and they have access to a playset of Smuggler's Copters, like, it's not going to go that well for you. It's going to be really hard. That's kind of what I have geared up for the... uh, That's what I'm thinking about now for the, the RC, which I'm not attending, but you are. Yes. And I'm excited. I I mean, I need to I, I've been lucky enough that I've gotten to do some like focus testing with people and stuff and, and kind of work out like uh, Jarvis has been super helpful and I've gotten to play several matches against him on blue white, which is a matchup that I 
you know, kind of struggle with finding, figuring out what's important and stuff. And I feel much better about that. And then I got to play against him on Rakdos and that was really helpful. So I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling pretty strong. I'm feeling excited. So I, I, you know, we'll see how things break down at the actual RC, but I, I, I don't know. I'm feeling good. Nice. Well, anything else you want to run through pioneer or otherwise? I don't think so. Nothing specific. Uh, there's a lot to work on and a lot to to talk about, but you know, we'll we'll keep playing games and we'll be back to report next week. Yeah, I'm I'm really interested in seeing what the challenges have in store for this weekend because it should evolve pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, I I'm excited for that too. I will be playing in challenges at least twice this weekend, so we'll we'll get the inside scoop as well. Uh, meanwhile, I'll be on my degenerate arc playing standard at the local game stores <laughs> that's fun too that's exciting we'll, we'll have i'm, I'm actually looking forward to it i haven't played standard in years since yeah. i installed arena basically and and then we can have a little standard check-in section because you know standard is going to be relevant before too long so it will be but i don't know how like this these tournaments are going to have like eight to twelve people i'm sure <laughs> but you know you'll at least get to play with the cards i will yeah Got them right here, except for Urresk's Forge. I'm still waiting for that one. Hopefully it arrives in the mail. <laughs> I ordered them three weeks ago. Ooh, that's a sick one. Are we sacrificing things? I am sacrificing things. Nice. It's also just a good sideboard card. Like yeah, it gets just... all of the sweepers. It just ticks up and up and you keep attacking with your guys. It's nice. <laughs> well, cool. I'll be excited to hear about that. Thanks for listening, everybody. We really, really appreciate your time. If you want to lend us some support, head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast or catch the stream twitch.tv slash ccr underscore grindcast. And yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be on this weekend playing the challenges if you want to just come check in on Pioneer with me. And yeah, it should be a good time. Then we'll run the back-to-back top eights. Not back-to-back, but... Yeah, I missed the, weekend the top weekend. eight the second day. But yeah, if I can just, you know, top eight once a weekend for a while, I'd be happy with that. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. That's it for us. Have a great week. Bye.